Welcome all to the Hall of Games episode number 37. I am your host, Josh Gallegos, and I am joined by the metaphysical, the malevolent, the majestic, the mercenary, Jared Benson. Jared, how are you doing today? How has uh, your last week or so been? I, actually, it's not even been a week. We, we talked on Sunday, so how have the last few days been for you? They've been good. It has been hot as all get out, brother. It hit 111 yesterday. Um, yes, my, uh, I mean, which if we have any listeners in Arizona or the Middle East, they're like, ah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. in Arizona on tour a couple years ago and it hit 114, uh, one day. And of course, Death Valley gets upwards of 120 right. degrees regularly every year. Um, but it was hot as all get out. Uh, I had a coworker coming to work. I was like, Hey, how was your day? And he's like, I was outside. I was working on my yard outside. I was like, it's 111 degrees, dude. What are you doing? But he's a he's a tough guy. He couldn't help himself. I think he just wanted bragging rights. But it has been hot, <laughs> hot, hot. Uh, definitely looking forward to the days off because it was not super cold in the restaurant. The AC was struggling, mm. just like many places have. So it was uh, it is has been what it has been. But uh, I I am not feeling malevolent. I'm not sure. Did I hurt you, Josh? <laughs> like what? <laughs> Where did you get that from? Just an M word. <laughs> just an M word. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got you. But do you feel majestic is the question. Now, I used to when I had my long my long hair, but now I just Ooh. feel kind of mangy. <laughs> Why did you cut that? I was I was enjoying Dude. the uh boy band Jared look. Yeah, it's so hard to maintain. I'm a Sure. Uh, I'm you know, I have dry skin and greasy hair. I'm like the worst of both worlds and I it was just hard, you know, it, it and two, you know, anytime someone would have a hair in their food, They'd look at me like all sus, mm. like it was you. I was like, that is a curly black or blonde hair that is not mine. You know, I'm not curly for one thing. But like, it just was getting to the point where, you know, you'd either have to tie it back or you'd have to do, and you know, I think people look at you differently. And it, to be honest with you, as soon as I cut my hair, my tips got better. As soon as. Very uh, interesting. Yes, yes. And I think that's just because, you know, Oklahoma's neoconservative. So it makes sense. It's whatever. And you, you come across as more clean cut, more sharp. Um, you know, it is what it is. So I think, I think people prefer the clean cut look. Uh, it's more stereotypically attractive. So yeah, sure. it's fine. It's all good. Well, but, gotta yeah. love, gotta love the, the dog days of summer. We're definitely in the midst of that. And the heat is on definitely here in Florida as well. Last summer. And I was, we were just joking about this, but like, Every summer, it seems like last summer, I, I had to do this in the summer, too. I, I have to, like, refuel my air conditioning unit mm, in the car mm-hmm, <laughs> in order mm-hmm, for it to survive. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a whole new level. Like, during the year, I don't need as much Freon, I guess, in the system. And it leaks a lot. It's an old car. Right. so Right. Got some issues. But, like, I have to do it or I'm not going to survive the summer. Because <laughs> it gets so muggy, nasty. Yes. Yeah. And part of my day. So, like, part of my day, I work in an office right now over the summer. And then for a few hours in the middle of the day hottest part of the day from like 12 50 until three o'clock i take an old bus a bus from like the 70s and i go to west campus and then i go back i'm I'm shuttering people from teen extreme 
and it just gets so hot in that little tin bus, or big tin bus, I guess, but it's it's rough, because the, uh, the new buses, the ones from the 21st century, are nice, they're <laughs> outfitted with air conditioning, and they're good to go. This old one, though, all it's got a little rinky-dink fan, and it, it's just like, it just churns up the hot air in there and blows it in your face. It's like Florida's Oof. just like breathing heavily on you. It's Oof. the worst. It's like... It's not, <laughs> not helping at all, even though they're like, oh, you got a fan in there. I'm like, no. <laughs> but every every single time that I go out and uh, all the campers and their sponsors and stuff get onto the bus, they're all like just miserable with how muggy and hot it is in there. And I'm like, yep, this is every day of the week for me. <laughs> so buckle up. Uh, all right, well, this is the Hall of Games, the ever-growing catalog of legendary game titles that have proven to be timeless classics. Each title is chosen from the Bard's backlog and broken down through comprehensive evaluation. We are the keepers of the Hall of Games, the skeptic critics of each candidate, and the executioners of those not deemed worthy. Today's candidates, and yes, by that I do indeed mean multiple candidates, are portals one and two. Will they sink together or will they swim? We will see. We will see. Write into us. Our email is askvgb at gmail.com. To comment, ask a question, or generally berate and belittle us, you can support the podcast by following us on any podcast service and by dropping a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Turn on those notifications. Smash that notification button to get the latest episode as soon as it drops. Every time I say, like, smash that like button or smash that or whatever, I always think of PewDiePie. I think yep, that's where yep. it came from. S- smash but, the like button in his, yeah. like, Nordic accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smash <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Last time we talked about Neon White, a fantastic 2022 indie game. Check out that episode. Nice, short, and lean. Um, in... The spirit of Neon White, Jared, I do have a question for you. If purgatory were real, what would my punishment be? And I'm asking you to tell tell me what my punishment is. Not your own. But if you were the man who God put in charge of purgatory, what would you assign me to so serve I'm, out my sentence? So I'm not Catholic. Uh, you're going to have to give me uh, some background here. What exactly, like, frame purgatory for me? Like, what can oh, I man. assign to you? I, th- I don't know if there's any particular rule. Like, you, you, you kind of get whatever is applicable to how you lived your life. I've read Dante's Inferno, and it's been a long time, but uh, the purgatorio portion of it, as Dante's making his way through purgatory, I'm pretty sure there's all kinds. No, there definitely is. There's, like, all kinds of different... Um, punishments that the people have to go through i don't know any of them off the top of my head i can't think of any but it can literally be anything it's kind of like the same vibe of who's the guy that like pushes the boulder up the hill in Uh, greek myth um sisyphus yes sisyphus yes uh forever lifting sisyphus Mm -hmm. uh and it's kind of like that or you know the the there's another greek guy who's constantly getting eaten is that prometheus that's prometheus right that's prometheus Um, yes yeah, so it's just, you know, it's it's some awful thing that you have to go through. But in the case of, yes, Catholic teaching, you eventually go through that in order to atone to become uh, worthy of heaven. Well, for you, I think I would take advantage of your current skills and make you the bus driver from... <laughs> 
<laughs> hell to oh, purgatory no. and keep AC out of your. I'm imagining a bus that's like at the at the risk of sounding blasphemous. This is what I would assign to you. Um, <laughs> uh, I I would make you a bus driver chartering souls to and from uh, hell and uh, probably going to be lonely bus rides a lot of the time. But uh, no AC, of course. And I'm I'm going to style your bus so that it's like half bone bone digger grave digger and half mystery machine so i just want everyone to make fun of your bus so that's going to be your purgatory <laughs> uh, just the I, humiliation of my peers and just constantly sweating in a hot box yes a, and people yelling at you from the back just be like hey turn the ac on and you're like this is the only one without <laughs> ac buddy this is that my makes punishment. me <laughs> that basically makes me like the guy who ferries people over the river sticks you're like karen this. Yeah, Caron. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. I mean, he he's living a, a existence of monotony in that he's doing the same thing over and over. But and the heat definitely adds an extra factor to it. I don't like that too much. I'm a cold guy. <laughs> like I definitely oh. prefer like freezing cold temperatures because then I can heat up. Uh, there's only so many layers of clothes you can take off before it's just hot. <laughs> in my opinion, right. right? Other people obviously are different. Different from that. Yeah. Now, for you, Jared, I know this wasn't necessarily a part of the prompt, but for you, if I had to choose a purgatory punishment, I might go with, let's just do medieval stretch torture. What? We'll just put you on a board and, and stretch your limbs out on, you know, every Tuesday. Every Tuesday? Yeah. Just, you know, a couple cranks. Good gravy. Get, don't let your ligaments get used to being where they are. Just just stretch out a little bit. Oh, my goodness. It's only a 35-year sentence. Every Tuesday, it'll be, it'll be quick. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move on from that uh, awful thought. <laughs> I don't actually want to do that to you, Jared. Uh, that sounds horrible, but... That was the only thing I could think of. Where did you get that? Have you been watched? Have you watched a medieval movie lately? Have you been watching? Monty no, I just Python like lately. What's up? With I you? always think of medieval like tactics oh. <laughs> when I think of torture. I don't know why. Good. It's just a weird history thing. Uh, but let's talk about the games we play in. We've not played too much different. Now, Jared, do you do have a couple of new titles on here, so I do want to talk through them. But um, for me, personally, anyway, I haven't played too much that's been different from our last episode, Neon White, which we were just recorded a few days ago. Like I said, we're trying to kind of stack up on episodes so that we're ready for the dry season. But um, I have played a little bit of Returnal here and there. I honestly, I'm going to be honest, I'm still trying to finish up Resident Evil 4. I've just... There's been a couple of bosses. Like, there's like three... I think I'm in like the second to last chapter, but the last like two or three chapters have had like a boss at each end and they're just a little clunky and taking me a couple more tries than I'd like. And so I've, I've stopped playing it as fervently as I was before. I still plan on finishing it. I'm going to do that by the end of the week, but I just kind of let it not be finished and I'll play Returnal every now and then. The one game I have started that's new in the last few days, I think on Monday is when I played it, was Mafia. 
man, I love this game already. Like, it's it's got enough of a production value. Now, this is the definitive edition, so they've remastered it. Uh, this is an older game. I think the PlayStation 3 era, and it's set in the 1930s during Prohibition time so you got you know the united states going through the depression and everything and um obviously mafia becoming a huge factor during that time and booze being a big thing that they moved so kind of fits the title but it's really cool to be in a period piece type game you know and one that isn't a period that you see very often at all uh this sort of game mafia is like the kind of game that you like you'll hear about on the on the edges of the industry but this never hits mainstream so it's never going to be as big as a you know an Assassin's Creed period piece or a Red Dead Redemption period piece, but it's as committed to the level of detail as those ones are. So I'm looking forward to finishing it. I've only played probably 30 minutes, 45 minutes maybe, um, but that's going to be my next one. I'm going to finish Resident Evil 4 first, and then I'm going to play Mafia through after that. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what that next game's going to be. I have a thought that it'll be Prey. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in probably our next episode. But Jared, you got Returnal. You've played further than I have already. So tell me about it. How are you enjoying it? Oh, have I really? I didn't know that. I thought you were probably closer to finishing. Um, oh, no, no. <laughs> I Honestly, like during the times that we were playing uh, through the Portal games and the Mario games and stuff, I very much put it away. I haven't played it the last couple weeks. Uh last day or so i have been but i'm still on the second area um you've you've pushed past me so what do do you think of it uh i i love it i i feel like this is the um this is the the roguelike for grown-ups uh i really love the mild horror aspect dude walking inside of that house gets me every time it freaks me out man um so there's there's elements here and there and uh I, i love celine her voice acting's really good um uh, and and the the vagueness behind the plot, I I think it could do. This is a really nitpicky, but it, I think it could do without constant Greek references. I don't know why those are in there. This is supposed to be an entirely alien planet. Maybe I'm missing a plot point. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's it's really enjoyable. This is your this is your daddy's roguelike. It's good stuff, and I'm I'm really enjoying the loop for sure. Um, the guns are the guns are fun. Maybe not as much regular variety as i'd like it's got about the same amount of variety as hades does um seemingly like six or seven main weapons uh that i can tell that serve close functions some of them i don't like using at all um but no i, I really like it have a favorite uh yeah i'm more of the carbine type of person um it seems to be the most balanced it works the best for me uh, or the spit maw just the shotgun although that yeah. one's hard if you don't get it a, a range extender for it, but um, there's it, it feels to me like it's beautiful. It's a beautiful game, but other than that, it seems to be on first glance unremarkable. I have to keep playing for it. Um, the first boss was so I had this this funny little fantasy. I maybe we'll cover this one day, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, we brought it up on this podcast several times, but the um, the first boss, the the Frank there, he is super enjoyable and i i was like oh my goodness bosses are going to be awesome in this game for sure and then the second boss in the second area he's tough Have you so you haven't gotten past him yet no i haven't dude he is a tough fight for sure but like loads of fun i don't i don't know if i could if i should do this but i'll give you just a um a little hint here 
Tell you're going to want. Me. I like it. Don't spoil it. No, I'm go for it. Okay. Um, what did I do that made that fight easy? I was actually going to write it down and text it to you, and I think I forgot to. Uh, anyway, maybe I'll think of it later. But there's a specific strategy that works for this guy um, really nicely. So I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. But um, but yeah. So second boss really hard. That third bo- boss though. Dude, it's cinematic as all get out. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You're going to really enjoy it when you get to it. So um, other than that, I've been playing um, Link's Awakening, which is horribly frustrating. I've had <laughs> – I think I might have actually died so far more times in Link, Link's Awakening than I have in Returnal. <laughs> and that's not Jeez. supposed to happen. <laughs> it's Dude, it's so frustrating. It's ridiculous. And, like, I've had to Google everything i cannot figure out where to go next it's not intuitive um i'm at i've just got the the horn i'm so i'm like you know uh two eighths the way through the storyline and um it's just not obvious what you should be doing next and the lack of fast travel means it's tedious and traversal is not that enjoyable so uh i'm struggling a little bit but it is what it is the graphics look beautiful that's for sure I've um, got that classic Zelda feel to it. And then there's this little game I have to mention called Stray. Yes, just- I am very curious to hear about this. I've seen a couple things on this, and I'd love to hear what you think of this. Because honestly, depending on what you say here, Jared, I might just pick it up. So Lucy found it, actually, for me. Um, I was watching her play last night. I was like, what is this? You know, And all that stuff. I tilt my head sideways like a cat. That's how I knew it was for me. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I picked it up, and it's essentially you play as a cat in a post-apocalyptic, um, maybe not post-apocalyptic, I'll say dystopian. Um, and uh, you, play in, uh, you play in a dystopian world as a cat. Your tra- uh, traversal is very simple, single-button traversal. And um, you are, you know run or whatever else uh, it's very pretty it's a very pretty game it yeah. feels like um it's not as pretty as maybe it could be like it's definitely not pushing my ps5 as it's not as sharp as something like god of war or returnal is but it's pretty like the the world that they've set it in is very appealing and it's got like just the most mi- if you're a cat lover and you're a very very mild gamer <laughs> like it's probably not for you, you know, maybe you're better off with a cat sim, but the world that they've created is absolutely intriguing, and I keep thinking about it. So um, I actually don't know how much Lucy paid for it. I don't know. Uh, I do know that um, it's, you know, it's only for the Steam and PlayStation 5, I guess, or whatever, but it's already been um, pirated <laughs> onto other, like, um, emulators yeah. and stuff. People work fast, man. It just came out yesterday. But, uh, but yeah, so I I don't know what to think of it yet. It's very simple in mechanic in a mechanic sense but the world that they've painted is very intriguing so i don't know it's weird it's funky my question is does the cat die horrific deaths no at least not yet (laughs) it's very understated i mean you do you can die but it's yeah yeah yeah. it's it's i would be very i'd be very surprised if they just like had the cat like like ah like die in some awful way it's like no that wouldn't actually happen people would be so up in arms about that you know they do not care that you get just completely destroyed in a video game as a human being but once it's an animal now they're gonna run and and start to shout and be defensive now the main (laughs) storyline actually like (laughs) beats up on the cat in the cutscenes a lot (laughs) to be honest with you like the the whole plot of the storyline is that he and his cat buddies you know 
and the opening scene is you like playing with the other cats, right? And then you know you do a little, you learn a little bit of the traversal, and then you fall down this massive valley into the dystopian city. And um, so, I mean, you fall a huge distance, and then your cat's limping. And there's like, I've only played like an hour or so of it, and there's already been three cutscenes where the cat gets hurt. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know how this is gonna go over, but it's very interesting for sure. I don't know if it's like the game we all need <laughs> i don't, I don't sure. know so it is what it is i i don't i don't know i don't know what to think of it it struck me like the reason it stuck out to me was because it is so i don't know realistic in its graphics it's definitely like mm-hmm. got got that really focused like oh we want to make you like look and feel like a cat as much as you can and it's not like a super cat like you're not right at least as far as i can tell like you're not no like, you're not you're around. correct you don't get power-ups or anything like that you're correct you're just kind of just a cat, which is cool. I like that. You know, cat. Yeah. Just just be a cat. It's fun. It's it reminds mild... me in that way of Maneater, which I talked about a couple of episodes ago. You're just a shark, but it's like really pretty. Like that's what like Maneater is like, oh, it's like shark sim. Like this is Jaws, but you're the shark and it's, it's nice and vibrant little oceans and stuff. It's a little over the top. Like that's very different from what I'm assuming Stray is like. Uh, Stray's a little more subtle, but Maneater's like, murder, murder! Like, you're just like, you <laughs> literally eat, like, 45 human beings within, you know, five seconds, because that's just what yeah. you do um, as as a shark. But, um, kind of gives me that same vibe of, like, if you want to play as this creature, this is the game to do it. And uh, I still might pick it up. Maybe on a, on a sale. I don't know how much it is, and you didn't know either, so I'm not sure, but maybe on a sale i'll get it i like cats okay i own two of them i think i'm still a dog person but they've really grown on me they're cute and well anna anna perna is the studio that published it and they're the same studio that just published neon white so they're apparently cranking out titles here but uh um published obviously distributed not not created but um mm-hmm. but yeah so it, I don't know. It's depending on the price. If it'd be worth it for you, yeah, y'all, y'all go for it. Yeah, maybe I will. I think Karina would love it. I think that's the biggest reason I'd purchase it. Yes, I would agree with that. I and think it she seems would like that. I mean, Lucy was drawn to it for similar reasons. I'm sure. So we'll have to check it out. Maybe we'll see if it's a Hall of Games contender. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> maybe for now, though, Jared. Let's do our bizarre, our strange default segment. do another real or fake it's been some time since our last one so last episode we covered neon white i wanted to kind of theme it in that direction so here's what i'm gonna do jared i'm going to and just like last time jared's gonna guess if what i say is real or if it's fake and we'll see we'll tally up how he does there i'm gonna ask you though names of levels so there are missions, right? The main missions of each Day of Judgment in Neon White. And then within that, there are a variety of levels. And they all have names. You don't notice it. You don't pay attention to it. At least I didn't. 
Maybe you're more observant than me. But I I didn't even realize they've got a lot of variety of names and stuff, so I thought that this might be a good thing. I'm going to sprinkle in some of my own uh, inventions of level names, and we'll see how Jared does with this. Are you ready? Oh, dear. I guess, no. I didn't know they had level names. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, so you got to tell me if this sounds like a neon white level or not. Is it real or okay. is it fake? First one, Purify. Uh, that is the name of the gun. So I don't think it would be the name of the level. It is a name of level. Okay, so it's both then. Okay, gotcha. Yes, it is a name of a level. Okay, next one here. Thrasher. That sounds real. That sounds like a neon white level title. Okay, you're right. That one is real as well. Trip Track. Hmm. No, I think you made that one up. Although, if it did fit anywhere, it would be in the later game. That is a real level, and I think it's like right in the middle, right, right snug in the middle of the game. Trip gotcha, track. Gotcha, gotcha. Prancer. You made that one up. That one's fake. That one is fake. Good one. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, great work. I honestly, um, the uh, like looking through the levels, there was several like deer themed. Really. Yeah, there was like Dancer, uh, Dasher, and then so I was like, oh, Prancer would kind of like fit in there, but you did not fall for that. Next one, Hike. Hike, 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 hike. That one is fake as well. I think you made that one up. Mm, that one is real. That one is indeed a level. Weird, right? Like, wh- Hike? I don't now, know what is that- level that one was. Maybe maybe one of the drop shock ones where you use the submachine gun to drop really fast. I don't know. Very they like likely. to do a lot of verticality. I don't know. Flee. Flee? Like run away. I think you made that one up. I did indeed. Yes, that one is fake. Holy Ground. Now that has to be a real title. You're right. That one is a real title. That one is one of the last few ones, right? There were several, like, like Heaven's Edge and stuff, I figured you yep. totally guessed. So Holy Ground's kind of, like, right in the middle there. Yep. But great work, great work. And we're about halfway through here. Iron Flight. Hmm. I think that one's real. That's fake. Ooh. Ooh. That one is a fake one. Congregation. Now that's... Well, I don't know. Congregation... Lots of aliens in one place. I'm going to say that one's real. That one is real. Great work. Yep. Castle. That one's fake. You made that one up. Ah, oh, yeah, you're right. That one is indeed fake. <laughs> you're guessing these a little too easily. Sacraments. Ooh, I'm going to say fake. I think you made that up. Ah, oh, you're right. Yes, I didn't. That's a good one, though. That fits the theme and everything. It does, yeah. That was why I hoped it would work, but you're a little too sharp, Jared. Extraction. <laughs> extraction. I think that one's fake. Uh, I don't remember any extracting in the game. It is fake, yes. Absolution. That one I know is real. I remember seeing that one, I think. Okay, yep, that one is real. Two more, two more. Firecracker. Ooh, firecracker firecracker i'm gonna say that one's real 
that one is real. Okay, Jared, you're on a streak here. You've not got one wrong for the last, let me see, six? So we'll see how you do with your last one. Shattered Mirror. Oh, man. I'm going to say that one is real because there's a lot of play on glass and mirror. Is that one real? It's fake. Oh! Got you there. <laughs> got you on the last one. All told, though, what is that? Hold on, let me see. Two. You got five out of 15 that you got wrong. So you got 10, correct? Hey, there you go. That's a lot better than the last one. Last time we did real or fake, it was the Mario plus Rabbids weapons. And I think you're about 50-50 there, so... Success. Success, Jared. Fantastic. Great work. Great work. All right. Let's jump into our pick of the week. And that's portals one and two. Portal, 2007. Portal 2, 2011. Both by the Valve Company. Jared, you played these at my behest, but had you ever played about or heard about? Excuse me, the Portal franchise before. Of course, of course, I had um, okay. friends. Uh, let's see, I don't remember when these games were released, but. I do know that they were um, played by my friends uh, both in college and high school. I think um, maybe my memory's a little hazy there, but I do remember seeing people play it. I'm like, "What is this?" Yeah. Um, never before seen something like that. A you know, physics simulator essentially, um, and it just an insane game all around. I, I had it wasn't just you who'd introduce it to me. It, it had been a classic in my mind for a long time. I just have never okay. gotten to it. So I was thrilled at the opportunity to play this. When um now you you weren't the person who I I didn't ever see you play this in college, correct? No, I don't think so. Right. Where were you introduced to it? Um question i know it kind of entered into my consciousness around the time that it first came out because it was like such a sleeper hit for a lot of people but it was just on the xbox for a large period of time so i didn't have xbox and just kind of let it fade into the background the whole thing that like really appealed to me wasn't so much portal but with the orange box now the orange box was what portal first appeared in at least in its original format. Of course, it's been really standalone since then, but originally it was just a part of a bundle from Valve with two other games. And the main appeal of that uh, bundle was Team Fortress 2, which is a PC, you know, multiplayer game. Uh, very much like, you know, a, a game where each person kind of picks their respective role. I think Overwatch, and you kind of have like your tanks and you have your medics and you got, you know, your assault people and whatnot. Um, that was the focus because Team Fortress 2 was popping at the time. It was a very popular game and Half-Life 2 was in there as well. Half-Life is kind of Valve's main, um, claim to like cinematic fame or like story based gaming fame. And they kind of just tacked Portal on. Portal was this little tiny game in that menu and people were curious about it, obviously checked it out and very, very quickly, it became the reason to buy an orange box. It wasn't 
obviously the only main appeal. Half-Life 2, I do not want to understate. That's one of the best games ever made as well. But Portal is right up there with it. And it is this short little experience that Valve, I don't think, was expecting to go anywhere. And all of a sudden took the gaming world by storm. So I didn't play it when it first came out. I remember seeing stuff about it. I don't think I ever saw anybody else play it or anything. And it kind of faded into the background until it got released on the PlayStation 3. At which point I picked it up. Team Fortress 2 was a nightmare on the PlayStation 3, so had an absolutely miserable time playing that, but I did play through Portal, and it was awesome. Super awesome. Fell in love, and when they announced Portal 2, I was all about it, pretty much everybody was, and jumped into it. But it was never a game that I really wanted to play. I think I got Orange Box even just because it was like right in the GameStop at the time, and it was on sale. I think I even got it used and just kind of tried it, and I'm so glad that I did. Not a game that I would have said was up my alley. Um, I'm not a huge puzzle guy. I don't know if you're different, but like I'm not a big Professor Layton person. I'm not a big physics game type person. Now, I've played a bunch since then. Uh, Portal really opened my eyes to what those games could do. Um, I love World of Goo, which is kind of a physics-based game, and um, even games like Bridge Constructor are a ton of fun to play through. But Portal was the one that really turned me uh, on to the idea of a, a physics-based game. And uh, so I got it there, and I've had a really grand time with it. I loved replaying it now. And, um, yeah, awesome, fantastic. A lot of people say that both Portals are in the Pantheon as far as, like, you know, if, if we had a Mount Rushmore and you could put, like, 50 games in Mount Rushmore, like, Portal would be in that list. It's one of the top games ever made, according to the average individual right now according to us here for the hall of games that is the question so let's talk first and foremost the very first game uh let's just break that down plot wise jared tell us about it how did it play out and what did you think of it as it went along uh portal one specifically right yeah just the first one yeah so essentially portal one is um as josh described it before just like a tech demo just this baby little idea where the core mechanic of the game is to create uh, portals that you can use to solve puzzles. And there wasn't too much of um, a narrative, a huge at least, narrative plot behind uh, the gameplay. It was simply that this AI um, is a little bit sadistic and enjoys uh, making you do tests and run research. And it's all about the science. And there's these, you know, you're in a lab and there's these overtones of of uh, science, science, science. And the the overall structure of the game was very simple, very straightforward. You can finish it in an afternoon. Um, and it really... It stands out because no one had ever come up with an idea like this before um, that could be made into a game of this caliber. And... Um, I think Josh summed it up best when he said that just an idea that a, a fan of you know video games had and Valve loved it so much that they took that idea, developed it, and added their writing to it. And the the marriage was like, you know, if you were to compare it to you know Team Fortress, it would be like the 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 older you know oldest kid that everyone thought was going to be great. And then the younger kid who who takes the spotlight because it's such a sleeper hit of a game, and I I remember just 
constantly, when I was seeing other people play it, constantly having my mind broken over and over and over again. And that's what this game continues to do as you play it. I really don't, um, I don't have any comparison for a game like this. I don't know if they've done any since. I, I think of, uh, have you seen the game advertised Superliminal on the Switch? It's essentially um, I, I recognize the name. I can't picture it, though. You essentially, you, you grab things in perspective, and then as you step back, right, like that object in your hand, like let's say you hold your hand far out in front of your face, right? If you mm-hmm. move your hand close to your face, it takes up more of your field of vision, ergo getting bigger in your brain. And that game does that. So you can grab a box at the far end of the room. As you step back, it gets bigger. And then when you release the item, it's huge in the room. It like and becomes a 3D object in the room. It's kind of hard to wrap your brain around. That's really the only close comparison. And obviously, that game um, isn't as big of a deal as as Portal is. Um, now, I do have a quick question here, Josh. Tell me your reasoning for like I just you know I stated what you had said earlier, which was essentially a tech demo. So, can you like explain just briefly before we keep going? What was your reasoning for meshing these two episodes together? Is it because you feel some type of way about one being incomplete in regards to two or or just briefly before we go on. I think one leads into two. I think yeah. one is the reason two exists and two only exists because of one. It's almost mm-hmm. like I mean and you, I mean you could probably say that about all kinds of different um <laughs> sequels <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it but like one was a proof of concept. They yep. they were trying it and seeing how it worked, and they built in this fun little narrative. But two is where they really went for it. Like two is where they realized, like, okay, this is cool. People like it. It's it's got a really great hook with Glados. So let's expand on that on a level that we just haven't even thought of doing before. And it almost seems like you wouldn't have ever had anything like two if one had not even been successful uh, right they had as far as i can tell no interest in ever doing another one and yet they did because of how massive it was and because one is so short and because most of it is bare bones i mean the plot of it really only picks up towards the very end and otherwise it's just kind of like basic test chambers and you're doing a bunch of fun stuff with portals which is great that's that's awesome um but it wasn't ever something that stood on its own. I mean, the game didn't even get released on its own. It got released in a bundle. So when I think of Portal, I think of both games. I don't think of them right. as separate necessarily. It's kind of like uh, two different parts of the same whole. It's it's chapter one and chapter two. And I know, like, if I'm if I'm playing Last of Us, right, Last of Us is called Part 1 and Part 2, I would probably separate those two, and of course Last of Us came, Part 2 came because of Part 1, so yes, that argument can work that way. But when I think of, like, our purposes here, I don't think we could say anything for Portal 1 that we wouldn't say for Portal 2, Right. and I certainly right. think that Portal 2 is the one that, you know, is the, the peak of what this is planning or trying to do, so... I figured let's just put them together. Like it's kind of like it's like we. Oh no, that's a bad comparison. I'm not even gonna make that comparison because I'll I'll regret it later. But that would be my reason. I don't know if that makes sense to you, no, Jared. That, if you disagree with it, no, 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 no. I don't disagree at all. I was I was actually trying to formulate my thoughts on why we had decided to do this, and I think you summed it up perfectly because 
you really, like you said, it released in a bundle. They weren't positive. I mean, they knew they liked it. That's why it's in the bundle. But they weren't positive that this was, you know, they, they had no idea that this was going to become a full-fledged, uh, renowned, uh, beloved by all game. And the you're exactly right. Uh, part 2, or rather Portal 2, picks up right where Part 1 leaves off, Portal 1 leaves off. And it's a seamless uh, flow together, introducing new elements, uh, more in-depth storyline, which just adds to the richness. It doesn't change. There's no switching of characters or anything. All the core mechanics are the exact same. They really are, uh, you know, Portal and Portal Extended. You know, it it, it could be very well the same game um, yeah, with a Chapter yeah. 1 and Chapter 2. And I think that, yeah, you summed that up perfectly. It's, it's, it's the right decision to have them together because they're so close. And that's actually a really good comparison. Last of Us 1 and Part 2 are distinctly different. Um, maybe not in some of the, the mechanics that people come to think of them for and obviously the overarching storyline, but um, there are some significant differences um, in the game. Sure. And so that, that warrants, you know, if we were to do it, two separate podcasts, uh, if you're using that as the, the standard there, as opposed to I really agree with your decision to include them in the one podcast for that reason. The way you explained it yeah well and and along those lines like thinking in sequel situations here's another example mario galaxy one mario galaxy one came out that was what they wanted to do mario galaxy 2 that came out after was kind of just because they had a few extra ideas mm-hmm. and they were like let's slap this all together into one new game which ended up being amazing in its own right but Portal is very different. It's not like that at all. It's not that, oh, we really went all out the first one and it did so well that now we're going to do a second one. It was, right. oh, we kind right. of like exactly. tested the waters with this first part. And now with the second one, we're doing what we wanted to originally do, but we were afraid to commit the resources to. Honestly, if you made this one big game, I wouldn't notice. If it was just Portal and it was it was one and two, like the same content, I don't think you'd notice. I don't think I'd notice. No, I, would, I wouldn't at um, all. I wouldn't at all. And you can't say that for most sequels, right? You can't Correct. say that for Red Correct. Dead 1 and 2. You can't say that for Battlefront 1 and 2. Like, there's obvious, yep. like, vested differences between those two and, and massive leaps in what they're trying to do. Whereas 2, to me, Portal 2 feels like the the actual delivery of the promise that the first game gave us. And for that reason, I say combine them here. Should they both have their own separate slots? Maybe. <laughs> well, that's a question, actually. Jared, do you think Portal 1 on its own would be like in the Hall of Games? Yeah, and I think Portal 2, if it was on its own, would also be in the Hall of Games. So it, to, okay. be, to be honest, like putting them together, it makes sense. You know, Portal 2 is just the extension of like how far can we push this concept? How cleverly can we use momentum? How can we introduce different textures and uh, scenarios, um, maybe overlaid with some also witty dialogue and bring in some more voice actors? How can we expand on an already good idea without changing its core um, self? And to be honest with you, they succeeded in their sequel with what so many world-renowned franchises have been unable to do with their sequels. And um, the first one, you know, it's barely an original, and then the second one is you know, obviously a, a great follow-up, but, um, so it's not like, um, it's not as if it's like Iron Man, Iron Man 2. It's more of like, 
a mm. teaser video and then Iron Man. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? There's a difference. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a perfect way of putting it. Um, it's, yeah, I, I couldn't say it better. So that's why we're combining the two games. Overall, it's a fun little nifty thing. I know for me, when I first started playing it, there's definitely a lot to wrap your head around the first time you play these games because you're you're using portals. Um, what is the freaking game? I need to look this up. The game that nowadays, if you if you play uh, free-to-play online, has portals in it. Oh, I'm going to kill myself. I'm not going to be able to find it. Um there's a there's a shooter free to play, Jared, and I I'm, I'd be curious if if maybe you'd be interested in playing it together. But uh, it takes the portal gun, it attaches it to an assault rifle, and then you just play multiplayer, and everybody has portals, and it is oh. it is crazy, it's insanity. But that wouldn't have ever worked if this game had never happened. So like this right. shows you how to do it and it's obviously you you have one portal that you go into and you have one portal that you go out of or you can go into the other one um and as you walk through it you go from plane uh geographic plane plane of matter to plane of matter where you you move across space and time right it's the it's the wormhole of a um old sci-fi movie that you kind of like you you walk through it and you're on the other side and that simple concept in and of itself is kind of like whoa like there are several times where you like look through it and you're like wow i'm looking at that part of the uh puzzle here and i know in the first game like when i first saw my own character i was like whoa like i looked at like through my through my portal at the person on the other side i'm like that's me and i'm looking at another portal right now it's like so cool so there's like a little bit of that there and some of the like orientation that comes about when you go through portals is definitely a little bit crazy and you got to get used to that. Once you do though and it starts to click, you get into a flow. Like especially well both games, both games are that way. I I'd say the first one kind of sticks out in my mind, but the second one too, you kind of get in the flow and like, okay, yeah, I figured that out. Let's go to the next one. Uh okay, yeah, I figured that one out. Okay, yeah, they're changing things up a little bit. Now they got a QB thing here. Okay, now they got some lasers going on. Let's go on to the next one. I figured you out. Let's keep going. And so it's like it has that little carrot dangling of, oh, you were successful now, but will you be successful again? Then, of course, you are, and you feel good about it. So you go on to the next puzzle. And as you go along, this game teaches you slowly, but surely it teaches you how portals work and ways to utilize them to the best effect. And there are limiting rules. So you can't, so portals, right? You, you shoot them at the wall. They're specific, like, types of panels that you can put them on it's like white wall um you can't put it on like a, a wooden surface or a door it won't work so there's a particular surface and you kind of look around and most of the puzzles are designed with like okay yeah i can see like up there there's that particular white wall i can shoot a portal at but you can't like shoot portals through portals um that's one thing that it won't let you do so you can't break the game in that way um you can only shoot it at the particular white surfaces so otherwise it won't work so they they do have those limiting principles in there right uh but it works so flawlessly and once you wrap your head around it it becomes almost second nature and just so satisfying every time you do it and it gets to the point where like i i walk into a room and i immediately i'm like oh oh i gotta jump down and use the momentum to shoot myself across the room. And 
I guess all that to say, this game is just like the perfect teacher. It is so perfectly designed in how it sets you up to actually utilize the portals themselves. And then in Portal 2, things like the walkways or the paint that definitely changes up how the puzzles work. But it, it's got those training wheels on it in a way that is seamless. It's hard to even notice because of how perfectly it's done. And by the time you get to the end of the game, you're pulling off crazy stunts and you don't even think twice about it because it's just so second nature to you. Um, do you do you feel like the actual use of the portals themselves, Jared, made sense and felt intuitive? <laughs> Sometimes. And then other times I felt like they were breaking my brain. Um, it was <laughs> especially what you mentioned earlier is like seeing yourself or seeing another part of the room through the portal um, is so trippy. It just feels like your brain is so hardwired to think like, okay, I'm walking through a door into a different space. And because in real life, when I walk out of a door, I have to go up or downstairs to get to a second level. Um, then my brain should not be able to calibrate, uh, what the second level looks like immediately. And yet you can be on the first level staring through a portal and seeing the second level. And to me, like, it almost felt like my brain had to just, you know, it was processing. Like, it didn't have enough RAM. You know, it didn't have enough, like, um, yeah. processing power to wrap my mind about what I was seeing. But in terms of it being a perfect teacher, like, for a brain-busting concept, you're exactly right. Their ability to get you from level 1 to level 19 or whatever it is and make you, like, that learning curve is almost a, a slope of 1. Like, it just... It increases in difficulty as it increases in complexity without but but taking you along the way in a very smooth slope. And um I I would agree it might be the best um learning tool I've ever played in a game. You know, because a lot of games they introduce you to the basics and then they kind of say, All right, you know, your intuition will serve you well from here on out, or they hold your hand too much and then it's like it it slows you down, you know. It just depends, but but yeah, you're you're exactly right. the The ability to learn intuitively and and what they show you is a perfect balance between helping just the right amount. Well, and think about this, Jared. They start you off without a gun at all, and right. you just get used to the portals themselves. And in fact, they don't even bother with like telling you that they're two distinct portals. They just tell you like, oh go through the orange space in front of you. We just opened up another portal and you don't realize that, but then you walk through and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I was just down there in the chamber and now I'm up here because I walked through the portal. Uh Uh-huh. But you don't actually have the ability to use them yet. But so it's training you. It's telling you slowly, but surely, okay, this is how it works. And then it gives you the portal gun, but it's just one portal and it has you just practice with that. And it's like, okay, here's the blue portal. Okay, we're going to put the orange portal over here for you. You don't have to worry about combining the two. Right now, we just want you to wrap your head around a portal at all and the fact that you can place it wherever you need to. And it just, for several puzzles, it's not like it's just one or two. It's several that it shows you, okay, here's what you can even do with just one. Like, just one, here's what you can do. And then eventually it gives you that second portal, and now the game just opens right up. And two is perfect. Like, two portals is absolutely perfect. You don't need more. Now, in the co-op, they add, of course, both of you have 
two portals, so you got up to four, which definitely makes for some zany times. But honestly, for single player, like I couldn't imagine there being three. I feel like that would make the game too simple. I think the puzzles would become way too hard to put together. Yeah. But just two just works just great, just fine. And they build you up to the place where you can handle that. And then they start to introduce crazier and crazier things along the way. One of the other things is momentum. So we're talking gameplay here. Um, momentum is the key for almost every, uh, well, not every, but there's a hard majority of puzzles that like utilize like how you control your momentum, right? Uh, if I jump, so if I'm at a top level and there's a there's a uh, a basement level or something that's far lower than me, ten feet or whatever, I can place a portal down below me. And then I can place a portal up on the wall, say to my left or to my right. And when I jump down into that portal, I will then, as I am dropping, go through the portal and then out the wall to my left. And that momentum that I built up as I dropped follows me through the other portal, which makes perfect sense. That's like how things work, right? That's how momentum works. Yep. And so it's not like it's making its own rules here. It's using actual genuine physics, but it's using them in ways that you wouldn't have thought of on your own. And yes. after after it teaches that very straightforward concept of momentum, it starts to use that all over the place. And you get to figure out, okay, you know what? I know I need to get up to that spot. It's about 20 feet higher than I need to be. There's no spot I can shoot a portal. So let me look across. Oh, yep, sure enough, on the other side of the chamber, way up above that, there's a little white panel where I can put a portal, which means I'm going to have to find out a way to build up my momentum to then shoot through that to make it to that uh, platform. And that's just one aspect of it, right? It teaches you momentum, uh, the portals themselves and going from plane to plane, uh, throwing objects through it, jumping through it, all those things. Uh, obviously, I, I've mentioned already, but like lasers and uh, uh, like field, wave fields, uh, ramps, platforms, I don't know what you call those, like light platform ramps, um, yeah. and uh, paint later in Portal 2, but it just like shows you all these little things, and then as you pick up on these skills, it's like little tools in your toolkit that you don't even realize you're getting, by the end of this, you just feel brilliant. I've mentioned this in the Neon White episode, but like this game makes you feel like a genius in its yeah. gameplay in each little puzzle, and it just slowly shows you that. It slowly brings you along. As a teacher, as an educator, I look at this, and I'm just like, hats off, right? Slow clap. Yeah. You're doing something here that is hard, hard to do, and a lot of games kind of throw you into it. Yeah. Xenoblade immediately comes to mind. Yeah. It throws 55 billion tutorials at you, yeah. and hopefully you figured it yes. all out. Yeah. You will Very eventually, sharp right, curve. by yeah. hour 60. Uh, but... This is not that. This is something that's just so intuitive and natural, despite how mind-breaking it is, that it gets you where it wants you to be. If I could make the comparison um, for reference, you know, Portal is arguably the best puzzle game ever made. I think you could make that argument. Um, uh, Mount Rushmore, at least to me, is another story, but but we can talk about it. 50 games is a lot of titles to put on Mount Rushmore. So yeah, I could see that argument. But if I could make this comparison as to how good of a teacher this game is. Um, now, I wouldn't consider myself super smart. I wouldn't consider myself super stupid, um, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. But I, I've had to Google um, walkthroughs for Link's Awakening probably eight to 10 times already. And, you know, hey, what 
what's next? I don't know what to do next. It's it's just so obtuse and whatever else. Arguably, the what you would think of as a puzzle game is Portal as opposed to Link's Awakening. I didn't have to Google a single thing with Portal because I was so confident that they had given me the right tools when I walked through every door. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, I don't need to Google this. I just need to look around and pay attention. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not stupid. I'm just missing something. And there's a distinct right. difference in the feeling that this game gives you. I remember thinking when I was playing this game, even like, and you listed just about every way you could use a portal. But like, have you ever had a conversation um, with a friend where they introduce a new idea to you and you both explore it together in conversation? Um, and it's like, and some of our default segments have done that where you've like, what would, you know, what would you do in this situation? I, that's why I love our default segments. But essentially, like, it's that same feeling of having a close friend share with you an idea and then walk you through, you know, they thought through it a little bit, walk you through every possibility with that nutso idea. And that's what this game does to you. It takes you by the hand as a friend and says, dude, have you thought about this? <laughs> and I remember yeah, yeah. Um, one of those moments. So clearly with the momentum for sure. And another moment was too, when I shot a portal underneath a robot and it, it you know, mm. took him off balance. And that wasn't something that the game taught me to do. It was just my response to a problem put before me. And it felt like I was doing my part in talking to the game and how to handle a problem. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. And and so I, this game is, you're exactly right, a flawless teacher at its concepts. The best learning curve I've probably ever experienced in a game. And it, it it's a joy to learn. And the frustrations, you know, while they're mentally challenging, it's more of a scratch your head and look at it kind of funny as opposed to get righteously angry because this is stupid. And right, uh, I just right. really appreciated that all the way through. Josh, I I remember thinking, looking at a robot standing you know, relatively far away, I was like, can I put a portal underneath that? That's kind of far. I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can reach that. And there's multiple times in the game where you shoot a portal a great distance. And I'm sure you'll remember how the game ends. That is one of the most zany and crazy yes, endings. To, you get, you see what I'm getting at? Um, yes. And we'll get to it in a second when we talk more about the story. But I remember like smiling so big when that last moment happened when you fire your portal gun and that crazy moment happens and you're like what that's so nuts that just pushes this idea as far as it can go and i had nothing but love in my heart for the creators of this game you know all the way through because they kept doing that and it was so enjoyable every time well and i mean we can we can talk about that right now because that's a great like segue into i think well wrapping up the gameplay but then also story but uh yeah this it's like it's that feeling of like oh like it tells you that you can do these things but now you're like, oh, wait, can I do that? And then you do it, and you're like, I can! Like, it's so awesome in that mm-hmm. way. It it kind of reminds me of, like, um, in Mario Odyssey, when you can throw your cap, and you're like, wait, can I throw it at that? Yeah, and then you're like, right. Yes, right? I can! You actually do it, and you're like, yeah. oh, like, heck yeah, that's exactly that's what comparison. I was expecting. And same thing, like, at the very end, you look up, and you're, like, on your back, and the ceiling's getting torn off above you, and you look up, and you're like wait a minute yep 
Yep. Can I? You're no like, way. Wait. And like it has you go to there in your own mind. Like it didn't tell you there was an icon pointing directly at the moon. Okay, I'm just gonna spoil it. it was, you had to shoot at the moon and put a portal there, which is amazing, absolutely fantastic moment. But like it doesn't tell you that, but because you've played this game because it's taught you so well, you come to that conclusion on your own. Just like yep. with the little robot guys, like they're they're little annoying turret boys and they're shooting at you and you're like they're super frustrating, they're in my way, and then you're like, wait a minute, the ground underneath him is white. I can shoot a portal there and he'll pop out behind me in the portal I put back there. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. But you didn't have anything tell you that. It just because of how much this game makes sense. Mm-hmm you figure that out on your own and that does that yeah. over and over and over. And it's just so satisfying because of that. And yeah, that, that last moment, dude, you're like, nah, no way. Cause it's so far. I mean, it's the freaking moon, right? And yep. you're, you're in this dire moment. There's no other spot. Like you don't have any other chance. So like, it's obviously trying to get you to point there, but it, it still just feels so good. Oh yeah. Me too. When I first played through it, grinning from ear to ear yep. like i couldn't help myself and i feel like that's the natural reaction it's just so much fun and and people laugh and uh it, it like I, I laughed like i laughed out loud i was like ha! like no way yeah. and that's that's what this game does like that's what it did especially at the end right but um even throughout so now fantastic. the the um the how should i say this the perfect demonstration, at least in my mind, I, you might agree, the perfect demonstration of this balance between intuitive learning and, you know, hand-holding learning is that this game tells you that, you know, the portal can be shot on these types of surfaces. And that's all it tells you. And then the rest of the game, you spend your time figuring out where you can put and place your portals and at what angles and at what, you know degrees and turns and and all this different stuff and it's it's the right degree of of thinking and the the white spaces on the walls where you can place your portals is the best indicator of how good and balanced Mm -hmm. this this game as a teacher is um and the moon when you finally get to that point so you're you battle uh, you know malicious ais in both games um different ais but malicious ais in both games and the moon is is the the roof gets torn off in the second game and you look up and the ai has you pinned to the ground and the moon is this perfect color of white <laughs> just to send your and exactly as josh described you're like no freaking way um josh another thing that i really appreciated was you know speaking of the ais was that when you're learning this stuff um as you're learning you know when and where to put your portal and momentum and all this different stuff have you ever had someone like berate you in the act of learning? <laughs> you know, um, I don't, I don't know of one like an example off the top of my head. Sure, but but you know that feeling. It's like you're you're sure. learning, and someone's like, "Oh, you're so stupid!" As you're in the act of learning, and I love that the balance in the dialogue with these AI, you know, Gladys, and then uh, whatever his name is, the British dude, Wheatley the is the Wheatley. The yeah, that's one. right, Wheatley. Um, they don't berate you while you're learning. I don't know if you noticed that, but like as you're going Mm -hmm. through these games and you're doing these puzzles, they don't ever call you stupid. They are very sarcastic and Gladys and is known for her sarcasm and like saying, Oh look, I found, you know, two parents 
or a, a, a male and a female <laughs> who have your last name. Funny coincidence, right? And that's all she'll say. And then the next level, she's like, well, that's okay. They didn't love you anyway, right? But these are all comments that come after you have the confidence of finishing the level. Can you imagine the change in the vibe of this game had her sarcasm been sprinkled in asinine comments throughout? Do you see what I'm getting mm-hmm. at? Like, as oh, opposed absolutely. to the confidence that you have when you finish something successfully and someone tears you down for it, you can just laugh at them because it's pure funny in that moment. Uh, it's like someone, you know, calling an A-plus student stupid, right? And it's like, you know where that's coming from. It's coming from insecurity. And when it's done with the right balance of sarcasm and comedy, it's non-threatening. But I, I, would, I, I might very well hate this game if this robot was making you know, stupid comments while I was struggling to figure it out. You know what I mean? Can you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the right tenor of keeping the game light and fun, because although this AI is tries to throw you in a fiery pit in the first game, um, there's nothing but love in your heart for this AI. And I think it's because of the proper balance in the writing. Now, now did you find the writing in the second game, speaking of story, did you find the writing in the second game inferior, uh, superior, or on par to the first game? Obviously, I think to pre- to personally, in addition to the expanding of the, the gameplay concepts, adding textures and different surfaces, um, you know, bouncing and sticking and sliding and all that stuff, um, two portals, did you, the, the biggest difference is the addition of a couple new voice actors and characters. What did you think between the two games? Did they excel? Did they surpass themselves or what? I think the second one is leaps and bounds better than the first in every in every way um, because it's supposed to be that. I think the first one is written as perfectly as it should be for how small sure. of an experience yeah. it is. And GLaDOS yeah. on her own is such an iconic villain. And, of course, the game is the reason why that's the case. But... I mean, you got Steven Merchant as Wheatley. You got J.K. Simmons as Cave Johnson Dude, in Portal I 2. Know. And then you still have GLaDOS on top of that, and you see her interplay with both Wheatley and Cave Johnson. So great. Like, I cannot I, I cannot think of a game that has as much wit, as much brilliance in its turn of phrase in how all of the different aspects of it play out as Portal 2's uh, writing and dialogue. I... I stand by that. I think I'd stand by that till the day I died. I think Portals 1 and 2 are the best written games. I, I can't think of one that, that matches it. Um, and that's just as someone who knows as a writer how hard it is to be funny and humorous in the in the concept of writing. And obviously, right, there's someone delivering it. Uh, but a lot of this stuff stands on its own even outside of that. And uh, within the context of it, obviously, is is brilliant and beautiful and hilarious it makes you laugh and chuckle all the time and it's actually the reason and we've said this before but that is the reason why you push to the next thing (laughs) Uh, a lot of the times right the puzzles themselves turn out more simple and straightforward than maybe you were expecting and you go through it so you're not gonna be crazy incentivized to go to the next thing but glados says something and because she jabs at you or she's makes a comment about something she had said before uh now you're curious to see what she says next right and Mm -hmm. that's that's writing on a level i could only dream of yes of her achieving so i i would say two is definitely better but i could see why a lot of people might think it's too cheeky 
It's definitely yes. like like one is very very tame, right? And it's just because it was an experiment, and uh, all the little things with Glados kind of becoming, you know, a aggressive robot who's taunting you, and uh, later becomes an antagonist. At first, right, she's having you do all these tests, and she's promising you cake, and by the end, <laughs> uh, it starts to get a little more hostile, cake. and then she sends you to the fire pit and. Um, after that, she tries to play it off. I love that whole part where you're like in the backdrop of Aperture Science, and she's like, "Ha ha ha! Remember when I tried to kill you? Like yep. that was so funny. Okay, now come back. Like, okay, <laughs> like we're we're good now. Like jokes yeah. over. Like good and come on back. And it's like, uh, no, 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 no. Um, so like that the, because it was so subtle and you don't expect it in the first one. It works super well. You can't do that with the second one because the first one exists. So you got to go whole hog. You got to go full ham and just really try to knock the writing out of the park. I personally think they did it. I think Wheatley is so charming and like a vibrant, happy companion at the start of the game. And then when he gets his like obsessive, like lust for power and like that turn, so amazing like a brilliant turn in my mind like and obviously you, you kind of see it coming like when you first put him in especially like in the moment you're like oh panic panic because you know you're trying to defeat glados who's the main big bad and then when wheatley first goes in you're like that might have not been a good idea <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but kind of t- you know carries you along to that and then uh, i love jk simmons who doesn't um, i know right so he was like the perfect person to choose for delivering some of the Cave Johnson lines. Not as funny, a lot more lore heavy, right, going on down there. But with the uh, inclusion of GLaDOS as a potato and your own relationship there, it still carries on some <laughs> of the humor and the storytelling uh, behind it really helps to cement what I think is a nigh flawless plot. In that it's it's doing what it wants to do. It's not the most complex thing, right? You're not gonna have a whole uh, world building storytelling like an Elden Ring, uh, but for what it wants to do and for the fun of doing that along the way, this game does that better than anything else, in my opinion. I would um, I would say that there's a reason why you said I personally think they did that, right? Just to quote you a second ago, you're like I personally think they nailed it and got it flawlessly. But if you were to level a criticism at this game's writing, what would you say? And I wonder if we'd say the same thing. Um, level a criticism at it. Well, let me say let me say what I'm thinking here, and I'll see if you agree with this. I feel personally like there's a couple, maybe it's even just one and a half or two levels in the mid and end sections of Portal 2 that just overstay their welcome slightly a bit with the dialogue. Um, maybe because you've the ending is kind of foreseen, it's on the way, it's coming, or or it's getting old at that point slightly. Um, and maybe, especially if you've binge played this game, that it's not as fresh as when you, if you were to play it for a little bit, set it down, play it for a little bit, right? Um the the only criticism I can really say about this game because and tr- the, truthfully this is my only criticism is that the dialogue of Wheatley and Cave Johnson kind of gets a little old and yeah. I wonder if you'd agree with that or or not at all which is fair. Cave Johnson is definitely where I could see some weakness mostly because he's not like he's a very tragic character right. 
So the stuff he's saying, especially at the start, is kind of humorous, right? He's talking about like, oh, hey, you're my test subjects. Come on in. You know, we've grabbed random hobos off the street and (laughs) we're going to have you do stuff. And he's like, hey, if you were in line for the praying mantis experiments, sorry, we canceled that. But good news, we have a new like test area. We're going to go and kill praying giant praying mantises. And it's like, okay, what happened there? So like it's clever in that way. And it's, it's funny when he's that character, but as it goes along he's cave johnson who you're you're getting recordings of him right as you fall uh plot wise okay here's what happens the first game you're just a test subject uh you glados tries to kill you you get to her and you take out all of her personality cores and you take care of her at the end you get out you think you do a robot tears you back in you get put in stasis and you go down for who knows how long when you come back alive uh this wheatley character this little bot has woken you up and he's trying to get you out and trying to get you to escape. Um, he's talking about how the whole facility has been run down because GLaDOS had died and they're trying to make their way out along the way. They accidentally revive GLaDOS. She then kicks Wheatley out. You finally reunite with Wheatley, go back and GLaDOS and Wheatley kind of are trying to, you know, Wheatley, you're trying to get uh, to take over. So GLaDOS, who is the bad person is not in charge. But then when you put Wheatley in charge, he gets consumed with power. He's already, I guess he's been manufactured to be an idiot so you put an idiot in charge which glados definitely berates you for doing so um and then he kicks you out on accident he kind of like throws you out and you fall into the deep dark recesses of aperture science we didn't mention this but you're in the aperture science labs so all these test experiments are happening in these secluded labs you don't know what's going on in the outside world but you fall and you fall and you fall and then you land into what's obviously like ancient parts of this facility like from i think it's all the way back to the 50s if i'm not mistaken and cave johnson who you start to hear recordings of was the original founder of aperture science so you're in the 21st century this guy was the original founder think like the walt disney basically of aperture science yeah and he goes through they had they were just starting experiments they had just gotten a portal gun so like they're you know they're going through all that so it feels very uh rustic and raw because of that and that's both good and bad i think that's where you're you're correct in saying that it does start to feel like it overstays its welcome you're down there for a little bit too long and i think the reason they had that was because that was unique from the first game um but as you go through you reunite with glados who's now on a potato and cave johnson you kind of figure out over time like he screwed up the whole company um he kind of went crazy and wasted all the funds was doing very bad experiments and stuff and the company fell apart over the course of time by like the 80s or 90s and um so you're seeing that, or rather you're hearing that happen through the recordings. You're kind of seeing this character deteriorate and lose it. And by the end, it's it's a little more tragic than funny. And I could see where, and he's a very talky character. Like, he has way more lines than GLaDOS does. GLaDOS is short and succinct and concise. Everything yeah. that she says is hilarious because it's just so fine-tuned. Cave Johnson is more of a plot mechanism he's an info guy so he's going to give you all kinds of information but because of that a lot of it misses where with glados most everything hits right um and it's it's got so many jokes both portals one and two but especially two portal two has so many jokes i kind of connect it uh make a 
uh, comparison to Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool is a really? series that like they have a joke every thirty seconds, and it's yeah. all ridiculous and outlandish <laughs> yes. and over the top. But their whole goal is to throw as much crap at the wall because they know of guaranteed at least some of it will stick, right? Yeah. Um, and Portal 2 is kind of that way, especially with Cave Johnson. Even with Wheatley, there's a couple of moments with Wheatley. Like I said, a little too cheeky, right? You're kind of you're trying a little bit too hard to make me laugh. Um, but those moments are so rare. For the most part, I was totally sold and, and in. But I, I think I'd agree. I think I'd agree, especially with the Cave Johnson stuff towards the end of it. It does feel... Like it's outlasting, it's welcome. Like it's outstaying, it's welcome, and yeah, um, it's and, going a little bit longer than it should have. And this is more like you got an A minus instead of an A plus. Like it really is like obviously preference based for me at least. And I don't think it's a universal criticism. Um, perhaps you could say that you don't like the maybe style of the fifties um, labs. They're a lot more drab and uglier, um, and and not as clean and neat and white as the aperture modern science labs. And I, I think that serves as an important contrast. Um, so you could say stylistically, it's not your favorite, but really I, I don't have any complaints other than even just an inkling of that one. And again, it's the difference between an A plus and an A minus for me. Um, the world that they've built for this game, I love the subtle background thoughts and concepts as in like, is it worse to have someone who's evil in charge or someone who's stupid in charge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that seems like an obvious answer, right? But at the same time, if the whole world collapses because an idiot is in charge, as opposed to the whole world functions while evil is contained, but not eradicated, do you see what I'm getting at? The right. there's There's some interesting concepts there, as well as, you know, this idea of science for science sake, you know, science just to do crazy things or, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to science for profit, you know, um, some other things like what an AI would do putting a moral, you know, when in the first game, you take away glad <laughs> she makes this funny comment when you're fighting her in the boss fight, cause you're taking cores out of her in the first boss fight. And she's like, Oh, you just removed the thing. That was my moral compass. Now I really hate you, or something along those lines. Yeah, like yeah, I remember and, that. And and um, what a what an, a real AI would be like if we were to create something like this. And then the addiction that Wheatley goes through, and that um, actually makes you empathize with uh, Gladys a little bit because he reveals to you that there's withdrawal and that they had programmed this AI. It would be as if like you were programmed, Josh, to eat Cheez-Its all the time you would be feeling like crap because Cheez-Its aren't that good for you. You know what I'm saying? Um, And essentially these AI have been given this desire to test, test, test all the time, all the time. And the the return as you build an immunity to the thing that you crave, just like a nicotine addiction, alcohol addiction, um, drug addiction, people who, you know, do cocaine need to have bigger and bigger hits to, get that mm-hmm. same high that they had the last time. And this this AI goes through that same thing with trying to make you solve tests. And he even starts suggesting outlandish things that you know won't work, as in like, all right, well, just before you finish it, tell me, and I'm going to film you, and then I'm going to re- replay that film uh, 10 times in front of my eyes because he knows he's getting a lesser dose of that hit that he wants while you're filling a test. Uh, or, uh, uh, you know... Um, you know, f- succeeding in the testing. And and right, so that's right, right. an interesting commentary on, you know, some of these overt world themes, addiction, AI, you know, <laughs> you 
you know, all what you name it, you know, it, I, I love that those overtones of those thoughts in there. The game is never on the nose with anything except its sarcasm. And and that's <laughs> lovely because something like some games try to moralize to you, you know, maybe an ending dialogue or, or something along those lines. And so I really enjoy just the world that they've built around the story and that these these overtones in the writing are they they shine through and give a fuller sense of the picture, um, you know, adding ingredients to to the whole thing that they've crafted. And I, I really enjoy it all the way around. Do you consider GLaDOS a fantastic villain? Mm-hmm. She's okay. so likable. To be honest with you, that's what you need in your villains. Do you remember watching Dark Knight for the first time? And how I mean, it's been so long, but I, I do understand what you're getting at with that. The yeah. Joker, he's like, no, 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 no. I kill the bus driver, right? Like, there's there's a system for his madness. And he, as the Joker, is the most respectable one because, yes, he the, the completion that he feels with Batman is derived from his ideals about how the world should function. And no other Joker is able to, you know, because the Joker that Joaquin Phoenix played is just like, I'm a victim. And to be honest, by the time that movie came out, I was very tired of that narrative. You know what I mean? So it didn't resonate sure. with me as much. But this Joker in The Dark Knight is, do, he's, he's, he's causing chaos in a well-explained, you know, little lecture he gives to Harvey while Harvey's in bed. He's like, introduce a little chaos, you know. And all, I love that. That scene in the room with, with Harvey is electric. And Gladys has that same energy. She has that same energy. She has nothing to lose. She has only her ideals, test, and test. And that's she's the Joker, but in video game form, and obviously not an anarchist kind of, but more of a masochistic tyrant that enjoys its sadism and it's in the form of a robot and it's only in the second game that you really start to empathize with her but you have to like her because she's well one crazy but she's consistent and it's the same reason you like the joker in the dark knight he's crazy but he's consistent he has ideals and principles that he stands for and he's gonna get you to break first and and i love that of course you know the way the storyline plays out your character never breaks form so you can also respect your own decisions that they guide you to you know stuff like that but yes she is absolutely in the top tier of villains she's so likable and i think you need likable villains um thanos thanos is another one that comes to mind uh, um as far as likable villains you know so um obviously you are thinking that this game should be in the mount rushmore of games or is that maybe i misheard you is it an opinion that you agree with or is that your opinion or and you know tell me more about tell me more about that well i think it's it's hard to say that this isn't one of the best games ever made it's gonna be in the top 50 of something um but my personal mount rushmore i think it probably wouldn't make that but i i think the quality of it is that it would be eligible for that yeah. Um, and the biggest reason, well, you got the puzzles, right? And those are obviously the crux of the gameplay. But I think the biggest reason is GLaDOS. Yeah. This might surprise you, but I've seen multiple from reputable sources. I know IGN, for a fact, has, I think to this day, GLaDOS as the number one video game villain over everyone. How think about of that? 
everyone and glados was number one now that's ign right um that's one perspective but i've i've seen other websites that have also said the same and i'm sure you could go and read the prompt as to what they were thinking but i i i feel like i agree i don't know if i can think of a villain that really does match uh really just the because you get a sense of obvious animosity, but she's also having a grand old time with you. You're doing the testing that she wants, and she's so funny to boot and so sarcastic to boot for this silly little AI that it it's just you can't help, like you said, to fall in love with with this robot. And yeah. by the end, you're more than willing to kill it. But then, especially in the first game, you get that fun little iconic song of "Oh hey, I'm still alive." And oh my goodness, like, I forgot about those. Those are great. Yes, dude, both of them, both in the first and second yes. game. The first game is obviously the one that was like, I think if you could use the term, it'd be viral, right? I don't know if there was like virility as much back in 2007, but uh, we were getting there, getting closer and closer. But like that was one of those like moments in that particular game that just surprised and to have her then start to sing and like be clever about it and laugh about like how there's no cake and hey you thought you killed me but here i am still and like in a song form a catchy awesome song yeah yeah like you can't deny that there's just so much originality and creativity in glados that i can see absolutely why someone would say that she is the number one video game villain of all time i don't know if you would agree with that uh but I see that. I feel that. And I think that because of that, Portal works on a level that few games do. I, and she carries the story. She really does. She does. Yeah. Yeah. In both in both video games. Because by the time you know, you're know you having to deal with Wheatley and she disappears from the picture in a potato, <laughs> um, which is hilarious. Um, yeah. They're kind of taking digs at like high, you know, middle school science projects. And I love that. But you can't wait for her to come back. Like absolutely you really do miss her you know even when wheatley is trying to guide you out of the facility and you you kind of sense in the back of your head that you're definitely going to run into glados although if you don't know anything about the game you don't know who you could run into maybe it's going to be someone else or a different ai you know you don't know you know that there's cores that are crazy the little cores that you have to rip off you know gladys in the first game and then the ones that you put back on in wheatley in the second game all have their own little personalities one's a cowboy one's a crazy <laughs> animal you know the like so, growl- yeah the growling one and the first yeah, one yeah. makes me laugh yeah. so hard it's like ruff, ruff, ruff. yeah <laughs> just like yelling at you great stuff and i you know the you are excited to see her and to and to speak with her again because you missed her so much from the first game and i don't know that as the casual i have the uh, authority to name her as the best villain i'm going to say no only because I need to play more villain, villains. Um, okay. I remember Uncharted 3, uh, maybe, or sorry, not Uncharted, pardon me, Far Cry 3, where the kid's on sure. the island, I think. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That guy, I don't even remember his name. That's how memorable he was. <laughs> Shame yeah, on Yeah, um, I know who you talk. I, I, I'm trying to think of his name, too. But it's like he's, Cruz or something like that. He's essentially like, the definition of insanity is doing the same, you know, him, his whole dialogue. He's a very compelling villain. I really liked him. Um, Played by Nacho from Better Call Saul. Just want to yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think I'm not qualified enough to say she's the best villain of all time, but I think of her with nothing but love. That's for sure. Um, and, yeah, certainly certainly does stand stand out as a memorable villain in, in every way. Even... Even the way that they animated the robots, both Wheatley's expression in the second game is bar none insanity, how they made his eye. You know, he's a single core mm-hmm. of a robot, and he's so expressive. It blows my mind. Um, 
and Gladys Gladys is the you know very similar in the first game as well. So yep. yeah, well, it's and it's crazy for Glados, and this is something I was going to mention is that it's almost all just pure dialogue. You don't yep. see her. Yep. The entire time, pretty much. Um, so that's where I think, like, okay, this writing, there's something else going on. Like, oh, it's yeah. a different level of writing here because oh, yeah. you don't even see this freaking person, but number one villain, you know? I don't I don't know. I, I feel like they're, they're, that can't be emphasized enough. In terms of raw writing, I would put this game only... And I would put it equivalent to the level of writing that is in Hades. Um, and maybe you put it above. I'd say that they're just slightly different. But the gravitas... They are different, yeah. Right. One is very comedic and sarcastic, and one is very dramatic and, and you know, obviously more lore story-driven, right? Um, but, you know, the whole host of characters in Hades is flawless. I can't think of a single line that I didn't like from Hades. Um. You know, as opposed to, and part of that is because real true drama never gets old as long as you care about the story, right? As opposed to the sarcasm of Portal 2, specifically, really, outside of Gladys, kind of making me think that it overstayed its welcome just a tad bit. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. one, you have a truly flawless product, and the other is also a flawless product, but it's they are different, and if I had to favor one, I'd say Hades. But these two are undoubtedly the best written games that we have talked about on this podcast. I think, you know, hands down, um, in terms of writing and, and and background and stuff. So that's that's for sure. That's that's undoubtable. So I get I get what you mean though. Like Cave Johnson, if this were a Cave Johnson focused enemy game, I don't think it would work. Like yes. you need to have Glados. That's like, a good she way to needs put it. To be yes, that focus. Like the and, and it helps that she's a goofy AI. Like that actually makes it more humorous. The fact that she has that robotic voice yeah. sometimes because it's like you know like Siri saying something to you that's like yep. oh, like I was not expecting Siri to say that. Yes, <laughs> it's kind of yes. shocking, you know. Uh, but that's Glados, and then yeah, Cave Johnson's just like that wouldn't work. Wheatley. Wheatley's got his own fun thing going on. He does. Um, he's got that British charm. Like you can't help but like just have like a a little bit of a smirk on your face because he's yeah. just like, you know, oh, love it, love it so much, so beautiful, darling. You know, let's go get some fish and chips and um, let's let's take out this bird. And uh, that one point, yeah, where he's like getting attacked by the bird and he's like bird, bird, and like freaking out. Like little moments <laughs> like that are just fun. Like you have a great old time with them. Um, but. He can't carry this. GLaDOS does. Like GLaDOS yes. carries it yes. and is really the core, the heart of this whole thing. Um, and the surrounding characters in Portal 2 I think are great, but none of them reach the level of GLaDOS. And you can't deny that. Can't deny that for sure. Can't now, did you know what was going on outside of the facility? Did you get any hint or glimpse of the world outside of Aperture? Yeah, I mean, in the first game, you you are launched from the facility, and um, yeah, I think you land in a parking lot or something like that. And you can mm-hmm, kind of see some mm-hmm. trees and some sky, and then you're dragged back in the facility. The second ending is far more, oof, how shall you say, um, uh, I don't even know what the word would be, but it's like, whoa. You know the different the difference in you know because you you land in the first one and you see some trees and what you're like oh okay kind of normal society that I escaped into maybe perhaps the second one it's nothing but wheat fields 
and you're like, whoa, whoa, what could be going on here? Why do you know more than I do? Well, it's I, I was curious because this is technically both Portals One and Two are technically set in the Half Life franchise. Mm. So Half Life is the Valve focus. There, that's like their main series, and Half Life's all about an apocalypse. And obviously, you get the term Half Life from radioactivity, right? Yep. Um, so the first game takes place somewhere between Half Life One and Two. So the situation is deteriorating but by the end of half-life 2 the apocalypse has happened so when portal 2 happens when she's been taken back into the building it like several several years maybe even decades have passed and when she comes back out it's post-apocalypse now so like all of that i was just curious because it's all obviously if you're a nerd and you've read the the wikipedia you'll pick up on this stuff but i was just curious how much the games themselves communicated that to you which you picked up on the contextual clues but it doesn't necessarily explain any of that, nor does it need to. It's supposed to be its own, right, focused thing, and it doesn't need to have all the overarching ties. Not everything needs to be an MCU, right? But technically, exactly. this is this is a part of some other universe, the Half Life universe, you could say. But I was just curious if you, you had picked up on any of it. Um, okay, any other thoughts on story, Jared? Before we move on, really none, really none. Okay, so we've talked gameplay, we've talked story. Um, as far as design is concerned, what did you think of the graphics? What did you think of the finishes, of the music? Any gripes there? No, no. Music was music was unmemorable, but fine. Sometimes that's a good thing. Like, for instance, Neon White gets your blood pumping, but sometimes it's annoying, to be frank. Um, I like the tracks that you selected for our last podcast. Those were good tracks. But um, the... Uh, the presentation of this game, as far as the ambiance is concerned and the graphics, they hold up even now. Um, obviously, it's going to be you know console-specific. It's not the best, but it doesn't need to be super sharp. It'd be distracting if it was super sharp, you know? This is a game in which you're firing holes at walls. Like, it really doesn't need to be, you know, super, super tight. It was good enough, and the Portal 2 still stands out as great. It felt a little bit like... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Fallout, but like a slightly better version okay. of Fallout. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ter- especially the Cave Johnson part where they were kind of simulating, you know, the, the 50s or whatever else. Um, uh, so You know why I feel like? I think it feels that way because this was primarily, well, in Valve, it's primarily a PC company. Yeah. Um, Valve owns Steam, which is where everybody buys their games on PC. So they build their games with PC audiences in mind. So that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, it definitely feels like a PC game. Even in just like the reticule, like even the reticle of your portal gun kind of just has that fallout vibe. Yeah, yeah, totally. Did you think that the, like, did you wish for even just a little bit more music? Honestly, personally, it's, it's, it's something I did kind of want to see in the first game. There's hardly anything at all. It's all just ambience. Um, or ambiance and then in the second game they add a little bit especially like in those um you know dramatic moments or even like when you're flying through the air sometimes it'll have like a kind of like pick up the pace kind of show that you're you're picking up speed but i did kind of wish for a little bit more because otherwise you just have the portals and like obviously right you got you got the the uh dialogue which is keeping your interest but like when I'm just sitting there staring at a wall and like trying to figure out a puzzle, the the like empty sound, 
I don't know. I, I kind of did wish for a little bit more. I think that'd be one thing that I would say, hey, let's add this if there's a Portal 3. Just something small. And it doesn't quite fit. That's the problem. I think that's why they don't have it. Like, the actual setting itself wouldn't have music. You're in a test facility. Right? They're focused on the test. If there are people running these tests, which there used to be... Um, They'd be up in some corner room looking through a glass all in white, right, taking notes about what you're doing. And there wouldn't be any music playing. There wouldn't be any rock or anything like that. So the setting of it makes sense that there's not any, but I felt like the game does does kind of get you. Well, actually, now even as I'm saying it, like the game feels empty, but that's actually kind of what they're going for. They want you to feel like you're kind of alone in this facility with this robot that's also trying to kill you but also wants you to test yeah so. you've you've at this point gladys has run out of test subjects right and um right wheatley even says in the second game he's like well i found some other people oh wait no they're all dead uh never mind um and that's that's all part of the vibe that this game is is pushing for you and i like that because it feels almost as much as i hate to say this it almost feels like a really good simulator as opposed to a video game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the role playing is very contained and consistent because the music never, you never notice it. And yeah, you're exactly right. The clinical, you know, lack of music is very clinical. I think there's a moment, a scene, maybe one puzzle or two, where either Wheatley or Gladys says, well, here, let me put on some classical music or something. I can't remember. I could be wrong. But that also does it does two things. One, it, it makes sense in the fitting of the context, um, but it also makes the end songs that where Gladys is singing to you stand out like a sore sure. thumb in a good way. Absolutely. So mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think it needs any music, but that's also you know that's my personal preference. I could definitely see if you were to do it right that it would definitely be uh, maybe even you know what I think I might agree with you in the Cave Johnson segment. Can you imagine some fifties oldies music like really yeah. livening that section up? Because there's not really any gravitas. Like you're not fighting Gladys. You're just doing experiments to get to the surface. It's the midpoint of the game. There's not really any existential threat going on because Wheatley's out of the picture. So maybe some fifties oldies music really might have set the tone. You know, so I, I I I can see where you're going with that. That'd definitely be the spot for it. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And and honestly, like, I, I think I, I kind of rescind what I was saying. I think that you're right. The clinical aspect of it actually kind of lends toward the environment they're trying to build. So I kind of rescind what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that would be the spot to do it. That would be. Um, all right. Well, any other thoughts here, Jared, before we wrap up? No, sir. Folks, you cannot go wrong playing this game. Um as to whether we put it in the Hall of Games or not, Josh, I think it's very clear. I mean, unless you're about to blow my mind with some, like, long list of reasons why not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Everyone should go play this game. It's a it's a, it's a top-tier Hall of Games game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, both Portals 1 and 2, very easily accessible right now. You got the Portal Companion Pack, so yep. go pick yep. them up. They're not hard games to get through. Obviously, they're going to test your metal a little bit. They're going to uh, bend your mind in ways that you did not expect. 
I do think we could have covered the gameplay a little bit more, but honestly, some of it is just so good and hard to even describe without you actually playing through it. Like, some of the great moments of like, ah, oh, I figured out, okay, I need to use the speed paint right here, and then I have to put a little bit of it of the jump paint at the end so that it propels me forward through the yep. portal or whatever. Like, yep. Little tiny moments like that. It's hard to even describe how good they feel when you figure them out. But yeah. That's all here in this game. Uh, the story, the writing is flawless, brilliant, fantastic villain, and GLaDOS. And, of course, uh, coming from a company, Valve, that is very well-renowned. They don't make games very much at all. I think Portal 2 is the last game they made. No, 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 no. Half-Life Alex. They made Half-Life Alex for the VR. But before that, Portal 2 was the last venture they made. And the only reason that they would have ever done that was because they so deeply believed in the product. And Portal 2 shows all of that. So does the first Portal. They're, they're legends in the games industry. And I recommend them to literally everyone. So if you are a human being with a beating heart and a brain, you should play Portal. Um, and that will be my final word. Okay, so I say uh, this is in the Hall of Games. Is that correct, Jared? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Kachunk, another entry into the Hall of Games. <laughs> We've not had any that haven't been. Actually, that's not true. We had Sunshine a couple weeks ago. Uh, but uh, we need to find some difficult games. Portal, though, hard to say anything bad about it just a fantastic fantastic set of games so thank you for taking the time to listen be sure to tell a friend about our podcast drop us a five-star review if you may check out our past po- past episodes for more backlog b- backlog my goodness i can't speak in-depth conversations i hope you agree with our decision if you don't reach out to us and tell us why until then this is the video game bard signing off thanks for listening This was a triumph I'm making a note here Huge success It's hard to overstate my satisfaction Aperture science We do what we must Because we can For the good of all of us Except the ones who are dead But there's no sense crying over every mistake You just keep on trying till you run out of cake And the science gets done And you make a neat gun For the people who are still alive I'm not even Stay inside